Welcome in, everybody, to episode 166 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Eritor Sports Podcast. I got a great show for you today. All right, so a couple things going on here. First of all, it is SEC Media Days. Media Days have begun. Football has begun. Uh, and so we got a lot of different stuff today. So first of all, I'm going to open the show. I find Media Days to be generally very boring, and I think they were especially boring this year. But there was one interesting narrative that came out of it this week that I do want to discuss and then it's going to be a little bit of a short front end. I may also talk one little college hoops thing. It's going to be a little bit of a short front end because I have two guests for you on the back end. First up, after I do my media day spiel, I'm actually going to talk to somebody who was there. Good friend of this show, Ryan Fowler. He hosts a daily show in Tuscaloosa, uh, Tide 102.9, the game. This guy, for people who remember, I had him on around the college football playoff last year. This guy is college football, okay? Eats, sleeps, and breathes it. He talks about Bama football 365 days a year. Uh, and what I love about Ryan is he's not afraid to tell it like it is. I haven't actually spoken with him yet, but I guarantee he's just going to come on and say, yeah, nobody can beat Bama except for Clemson. And he'll go on and he'll do his Bama thing. There is not a more arrogant person in the media about his team than Ryan Fowler. And I absolutely love it. So he'll be here to talk about SEC Media Days, not just Bama, but everything that goes on. He really does cover all of college football. Uh, and then on the back end, another interesting, different guest, a good friend of mine. His name's Mark Krebs. Uh, if you're a Kentucky fan, we have a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to the show, you know the name Mark Krebs. For people who don't know Mark Krebs, Mark Krebs played on, he played at Kentucky, and he played on the 2010 team with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Patterson, all these guys still in the NBA. We talk a little bit about the 2010 team, but the real reason he's on is is the TBT, the basketball tournament, the thing that's on ESPN. We had Seth Greenberg on about a month ago. He talked a little bit about the TBT. Mark Krebs is here to talk about the TBT, specifically the Lexington Regional. Uh, he's a friend of mine. We talk all the time, and I just thought it'd be fun to have him on, talk a little bit about his days at Kentucky. Um, and also, of course, his, uh, you know, the, the TBT. And so that's the show. I'm going to talk a little SEC Media Days off the top. We're going to go to Ryan Fowler, who was at SEC Media Days. We're going to close with Mark Krebs talking about TBT and, of course, um, also um, his time at Kentucky. Now, I should mention, too, before we get to the, today's show, make sure you're subscribed. I got an unbelievable guest for you guys next week. All right, last chance you. We've talked about it on this show. I love this show. Season 4 comes out on Friday. By the time many of you listen to this, Season 4 will already be out Jason Brown, the head coach at Independence who has since been fired since the end of season four, he joins the show. So Jason Brown is doing a little bit of a media tour uh, following uh, or in the lead up to the season four, and he comes on the show. He's in big trouble right now. Now, he couldn't talk about that. There were some legal things that he couldn't talk about, but he was fired for the sh from independence for some texts that he sent but he came on this show to talk a lot about season four what went right what went wrong what is it like to be a junior college coach where you're basically recruiting kids that have all screwed up at some point in their careers does he want to get back into coaching does he want to be part of football in this era where as he says you know it used to be the locker room was the sanctity there was a sanctity to the locker room 
and now it's gone. And so I don't get the sense that he wants to, but it's an unbelievable interview, one of the most candid, raw, and real interviews that I've done. That will air Monday. Last Chance You debuts on Friday. I encourage you to watch the show and then listen on Monday. Jason Brown, Last Chance You joins the show. I am so fired up. He was so awesome. I spoke with him today. So that's the rundown for the next five days. This is what I do. I, I put you know I put on my, my Miss Cleo hat, I rub the crystal ball, and I tell you what the future looks like. I just gave you today's show, I gave you Monday's show. That's what I do. I'm here for you guys. I'm here to serve you guys. So with that in mind, do me a favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aratora Sports Podcast. Go to iTunes, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do it again and again and again because it helps bump up the numbers. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. One quick thing. For those of you who generally listen on Podcast Addict, we've had a little bit of an issue with that feed. We are working on it, so continue to subscribe on Podcast Addict. Eventually, the new episodes will be there. Also, of course, Pod Paradise, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, and guess what? We're actually on Spotify now. So if you have Spotify, you can go ahead and subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast there. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. You guys have been giving me five stars. I love you. You guys are the best. Real quick, shout out! I got a new. I got a new. Uh, I just looked today, and there is a new review from CG. This is what CG says: If you are looking for original content regarding the latest sports news and content, this is the place to be. The content is always interesting, and there are always big time guests joining the show. Would recommend it. Ten out of ten, great for college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, you name it. Guy is phenomenal. So I like that big, you know what, energy from CG. Great review. The rest of you go to um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it. Make sure you give me five stars, rate and review, write a nice comment like CG did. I appreciate you. Shout out to CG. Thank you guys all for subscribing. Make sure you're staying subscribed because I got some big guests. Like I said, Jason Brown next week. I think I got another big guest for later next week. And then we're going to get into, of course, the fall, the whatever. Everywhere we go, I'm going to have big guests. So this is what I do. This is what I provide for you. Good content. So just give me five stars. That's all I need. All right. What else? Oh, Instagram. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Also, if you have questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I know it's late in the summer. You guys are tired. You guys are traveling. You don't have as much to say. Keep sending those questions, though. What, what are you guys doing? Send those questions. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. All right, so Ryan Fowler coming up, Mark Krebs after that. But first, I do want to talk media days. I don't think that there is a thing on the calendar that I find less interesting than media days. Now look, I get it. I get that for all of you college football fans out there, and I don't think there's a single person who listens to this show who isn't a college football fan of some school, whether it's UConn, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Georgia, which we're going to get to Georgia in a minute. I don't think there's any of you that aren't college football fans, but I'm just saying, I find media days to be the most overrated, overplayed thing but I also get it. I get the idea that after basically nine months of no football content, we just want something, right? Alabama and Clemson played in the national championship game like January 15th. It's now July 17th as I record, July 18th as you guys are listening. You just want something to talk about with football, and so you love media days. I find it kind of boring, but I do get it. 
Um, one quick thing I want to talk about, but first I got to say, not only do I find it boring, you know what I'm really tired of with media days? I'm tired of coach speak. I think that's the thing that drives me crazy about media days more than anything else is the coach speak. 14 SEC coaches, by the way, I guess I'm technically recording before Auburn, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt go on Thursday. I doubt anybody will say anything interesting because nobody ever says anything interesting at media days, but the coach speak is what drives me crazy. I turn it on Monday morning, first coach to speak, Missouri's Barry Odom. You know what he says, and I wrote this down verbatim. He said, yeah, this is what he said. He said one of his quotes was, everyone in our program got better from the players on down to the secretaries, student managers, everybody. And this is the kind of coach speak that I'm talking, what are we doing? What are we doing? Listen. Every single offseason, every single team can't have the best offseason they've ever had. Because if that was the case, nobody would ever lose a game. That's what drives me crazy about media days. Everybody had the best offseason ever. Every team has a group that's never worked harder. Every coach has a coaching staff that has never been more engaged. Come on! Just give me the truth. For once. This is why I miss Steve Spurrier. I just need a coach to be honest. I need a coach to say what really happened in the offseason. Yeah, um, rather than saying, well, yeah, we had the best offseason ever. Our guys have never worked harder. Love what they did in the weight room. We're ready to go. Can't wait for week one. We're going to take it one game at a time. Give me something I can use. Can we get a coach to just say, yeah, I got to be honest. I don't really like my team. I missed on a bunch of these guys. I'd like to run them off, but I'm not going to have enough linebackers. Or a coach to say, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Some of them had a great offseason. Some of them spent more time at the frat house than they did in the weight room. And we're going to struggle. Our offensive linemen chug more beers than they did push, not push-ups, but you know what I'm saying. Like, give me something I can use. I just want a coach to be honest. Now, in the coach's defense, somebody did bring up the point on Twitter Hey, Torres, it's not like you log on to a podcast and say, yeah, this isn't my best podcast today, so I'm just going to say it. I don't know if today's podcast is good or not, but I'll be honest. If I suck, I'll tell you. But I can't stand these coaches. It's one after another. Oh, this is the best offseason ever. Our guys have never worked harder. We have a championship mindset. Dude, you're at Arkansas. You don't have a championship mindset. You lost every SEC game last year. Stop. Every other school, you can't have the best offseason ever. Barry Odom. I'm sure your secretaries were on point from day one hour, one minute one. Not everybody had the best offseason ever. Somebody was slacking. One of your student managers wasn't filling up those water bottles, right? Come on. Give me something I can use, guys. So I'm kind of over media days in general. I will say that there was one thing that I guess you could say piqued my interest, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart, etc. And so for those of you who have listened to this show dating back to last college football season, you know the Georgia narrative kind of drove me crazy last year, right? So for people who don't remember, who aren't diehard college football fans, Georgia finishes the regular season 11-1. The best team they played in the regular season, LSU, they got smacked by. I mean, they lost like 40-21 to or something like that. Got smacked by LSU. Go to the SEC championship game. Keep in mind, two seasons ago ended with Alabama coming back in the second half to beat Georgia in the national championship game. So they come into last year with a bunch of expectations, do really well in the regular season, 11-1. and Go back to the SEC championship game. 
They're up double digits. They're up 14 points, not only at halftime against Bama, they're up 14 points going into the fourth quarter. And then, oh, by the way, Bama's starting quarterback, Tua Tonga-Viola, gets hurt, and the backup, Jalen Hurts, goes in. Now, I know the backup, Jalen Hurts, was all SEC as a freshman, but he was still a backup. Georgia's up 14 points. What do they end up doing? They end up blowing the lead, losing to Bama with Bama's backup quarterback in. Okay, bad losses happen. I'm not here to pick on Georgia. But then, this is the part that drove me crazy. You remember what happened. All of a sudden, they start going on SportsCenter and ESPN and every platform that they can get, and they start trying to make the argument, well, uh, Bama's number one in the country, and nobody's played them closer, so we deserve a shot at the playoff. No, you don't. No, you don't, Georgia. The two best teams you played, one, you got smacked by LSU, the second one, you had a 14-point lead going in the fourth quarter, and you couldn't close. And you're telling me you deserve a shot at the playoff? I don't want to sound like Jim Moore here, but four teams make the playoff, and you should be one of them? When Alabama's in is undefeated, Clemson's in is undefeated, Notre Dame's in is undefeated, Oklahoma, 13-1, 12-1, just won the Big 12, Ohio State, 12-1, won the Big 10, and you deserve a spot over them because you played Bama close? Get out of here. And so Georgia drove me crazy last year. I went off on a bunch of tangents on Georgia last year. But this year, I do think it was interesting. The only real talking point that I saw come out of SEC Media Days was this idea that it's beat Bama or bust for Georgia, okay? And I kind of get that narrative. Again, two years in a row, they've been right on the edge. Kirby Smart is, of course, a Nick Saban disciple, played for or coached under Nick Saban forever for probably about a decade he was the defensive coordinator goes to Georgia flips that thing overnight credit to him because he has done a phenomenal job there two close losses to Bama in two years but now the narrative is out of SEC media days is that they got to beat Bama I was looking today here's some headlines that came out of SEC media day on Wednesday this from CBS Sports beating Alabama may not define Georgia but Kirby Smart knows that it must happen soon. Kirby Smart and Georgia determined to close the gap on Alabama, says Sports Illustrated. Georgia's Kirby Smart peppered with Alabama and Nick Saban questions. Here's what he said. That's from Miami Herald. Is this the year Georgia topples Bama? With Jake Fromm at the helm, Bulldogs have hope, says Yahoo. And so... This to me was the narrative, right? Like, Georgia has to topple Bama this year. I got to be honest, though. I just don't see it. And we'll get more into college football as we get closer to the fall and all that stuff. But for people who haven't kind of been following, you know, Bama is Bama. They're really good again. Tua Tonga Viola's back. Their whole wide receiver core is back. And Nick Saban has a 10-year track record of it doesn't matter who he loses. Basically, every year, they are in the conversation to compete for the national championship. College football playoffs been around for five years. Bama has made all five, okay? I think they've played in four national championship games, three national championship games, whatever it is. Obviously, last year they lost to Clemson. Year before they win against Georgia. So they played in four straight national championship games because they played Clemson three times, beat Clemson the first year, lost to them uh, the second year, beat Georgia the third year, and then last year lost to Clemson. So Alabama's been in four straight national championship games. So the bar that they've set... Clemson's obviously there. Everyone below that, Georgia is not there. And if you look at Georgia this year, I think they're getting a little bit too much hype 
based on, I guess you could say what they, I don't want to say what they've done the last couple of years, but that's kind of what it is, right? Because if you look at them, what I think it is, is with Georgia, everybody knows their Q, QB, Jake Fromm, like I just said, and they know they've been really good. But if you look at Georgia, they got some real question marks coming into this year. First of all, they lost their top five wide receivers from last year. Uh, one of them, Jeremiah Holloman, just got thrown off the team a few weeks ago. He was their only returning receiver with like big-time experience. And they lost a bunch of guys on their defense. They had a bunch of guys drafted out of the secondary, out of the linebackers, all that kind of stuff. And so I actually think this is a year Georgia probably takes a step back. It's not to say Kirby Smart hasn't recruited well, but what it is to say is that I don't know that they're at the Bama level yet where it doesn't matter who they lose. They're just going to stay on a plane of success and all that stuff. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I see it. I'll be perfectly honest. And so that was the one thing that came out of SEC Media Days um, that was really interesting to me. Now, I also saw some Bama-Clemson back and forth talk. I saw a couple Bama players say that Georgia was the best team they played all year. I think that's a crock. I think they're trying to create headlines. I think they're trying to let Clemson know, hey, we got our eye on you. We want a rematch. And that's obviously going to be the story all year in college football, right? Are we going to get Bama Clemson for whatever it is, the fifth year in a row now? And I think it's probably trending that way. But I only bring it up because I did see that headline. um, And I'll probably ask Ryan Fowler about that. But I think it's kind of Bama Clemson. You know what Bama Clemson has turned into? It's turned into Duke, Kentucky, where even though they're not on each other's schedule, they're not in the conference, they're kind of rivals, right? So Kentucky and Duke basketball, obviously. If I didn't say basketball, I apologize. But that's where I think we are with Bama Clemson, is they know that they're on a level above everybody else. Now, in college basketball, I wouldn't say that Duke and Kentucky are on a level above everybody else, but they they are different in the sense of exposure in terms of the guys that they recruit, etc., and so I think Duke and Kentucky have kind of this this kind of unspoken rivalry where even though they don't play every year, I think they do kind of, the programs themselves kind of judge themselves by each other. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Bama Clemson. As it pertains to Georgia, I just don't buy it. I think they'll be good this year. I think they'll be really good. I think, you know, if there's 130 Division One teams, 120 of them would kill to have Georgia's season. But you look at their schedule. Florida's going to be really good this year. They play Florida. They play Notre Dame out of conference. They have to go to Auburn. Auburn should be pretty good. A couple of my sources down in the SEC tell me Auburn might have the best defensive line in college football with all the guys that they bring back. Georgia also has to play Texas A&M. And so, like, to me, Georgia feels 10-2-ish. I don't know if they're going to be the best team in the East this year because Florida's really good. And so, to me, I just think that it's a great narrative Georgia, they got to catch Bama. I think they're closer to falling back to the rest of the pack in the SEC than they are in toppling Bama. Okay, one quick college basketball thing, and then we're going to get to Ryan Fowler, then we'll get to Mark Krebs. The college basketball thing is this. um, Basically, the FBI trials officially ended on Wednesday. There was one coach who hadn't gone to trial yet. That was Chuck Person from Auburn, um, and he went to trial. And I don't know how and I don't know why, but he avoided prison time following his trial. And listen, I'm not going to break down all the minutiae because I don't have all the details, right? But what I can tell you is this. Chuck Person, out of all four coaches that were involved in this thing, was by far 
the most aggressive and most egregious rule breaker. He accepted close to $90,000. A couple of the other coaches accepted five, ten thousand. dollars Book Richardson from Arizona accepted $20,000. Chuck Person accepted $90,000. And so it's disappointing to me that anyone has received jail time from this, specifically Book Richardson, Lamont Evans from Oklahoma State is in big trouble as well. I don't understand how Chuck Person is getting off without jail time when the other two have. I think it just shows that, oh, by the way, sometimes having the right judge really does help you because Chuck Person was tried under different circumstances. He had a different judge. I don't get why he's receiving jail time. And it goes back to what I said when Book Richardson and Lamont Evans got jail time is it makes no sense. I understand NCAA rules are broken. I understand money crossing state borders and all that stuff that there's, you know, there's, there's, there's things to sort out. I think it's crazy that Book Richardson and Lamont Evans got jail time, but I think it's even crazier that given the precedent that they set, that Chuck Person got no jail time. So that's kind of the wrap on that. And I'll tell you what, we are going to continue to talk about these FBI trials because a couple weeks ago, obviously, NC State was hit with some, um, you know, with a uh, thing from the NCAA. And I do think that as more, uh, as time goes on, more and more schools are going to get involved, get caught up in the middle, uh, get NCA sanctions, and get told, um, you know, what their punishments could be in the same way that NC State did. I talked about that last week. If you missed it, go find it. All right, so that is all for this segment of today's show. Kept it pretty short. Kind of trashed Georgia. My bad, Georgia fans. I'm sorry, but I had to tell it like it is. I don't think you can lose to Bama and then claim it as a victory, which is basically what you're doing. That's all. I'm going to talk about this more with Ryan Fowler coming up. Mark Krebs after that. But let's start with Mark. Uh, Mark. I was going to say Mark Fowler. Let's start with Ryan Fowler. Tied 102.9. He hosts a show 3 to 7 Central Time. He's here to talk about SEC Media Days. All right, and joining me on the phone now, as promised, my main man, he hosts the game on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. He is, in my opinion, the second most prominent person in the city of Tuscaloosa behind Nick Saban. Ryan Fowler, what's up, my man? How you doing? Man, I am having an incredible day. I hope you are, too. I hope California is treating you well, and man, Alabama is hot and muggy but college football is just a few weeks away we're two weeks away from practice and we're about 40 and some change away from kicking it off toe meets the leather my friend (laughs) in college football all right so uh, listen i kind of teased you uh on the beginning of the show i believe you're the most honest man in college football you just tell it like it is and we're going to get into can anybody actually beat Bama this year in the SEC in a minute? I want to start with this. Um, SEC media days, everybody listening loves college football, follows college football. Um, but it felt like media day was a little, I don't know, tired, cliche. Like, like I didn't feel like there was that extra like oomph this year in media day. What was the vibe around Hoover, around the event? Because it just felt like on TV that it was lacking a little bit. Well, okay, so let's you and I talk, okay? And sure. Aaron Torres comes on my show in Tuscaloosa as often as we could possibly feature him. Him and I have got great rapport, and we have some fun, okay? So we're going to have fun today, okay? okay. I just, I, I just we can I make, want to let loose, and let's just have some fun We here, can okay? make fun of Georgia, so, right? We can make you. fun of Georgia, right? All right, that, yeah, so, so think about this, okay? 
13 other schools are fighting for a prize that they'll never be able to accomplish. <laughs> no, I mean, think about it, Torres. I mean, like, if I told you when you started your radio show or your podcast that today is going to be a failure, how would you be motivated to talk? Like, like if I said, Torres, today when you wake up, it's going to be a failure. There's no use of you even going to work. Today's going to be the worst day. You're not going to be able to accomplish your goals. You're not going to win the day. Huh. Would you give me a Would you give me a full effort? Uh, well, honestly, if I knew that I couldn't uh, actually accomplish my goals, and I knew that I was going to fail, and I knew that there was somebody in my field the way that Nick Saban dominates his field, then uh, I don't know. I I mean, I guess I wouldn't, but I think that these guys are giving it the old college try. I think Jeremy Pruitt and uh, Ed Orgeron and, you know, like Mark Stoops, I think did a good job last year. I think they're all trying hard. Yeah, but, but I mean, 13 other coaches know regardless of anything they do, they're not going to be able to get past Nick Saban. I, I mean, Kirby Smart had Nick Saban against the ropes. I mean, Mike Tyson was laying on the mat, and Kirby Smart refused to put his foot on his throat and, and pin him down, and he beat him twice in the same calendar year. You don't get free chances to beat Nick Saban. And so when you look at these coaches, that that's pretty much what you're telling them. So, you know, you and I talk about, is it fun for college football that Alabama and Clemson are doing what they're doing right now? Is it good for college football? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've argued both sides of it. I, I don't know if it is good for college football. I love dynasties. I love championships. But, you got to put yourself in the other shoes. It can be body, body boring for the other programs if you know that you're not going to be able to win. Regardless of how close you can get, you're not going to be able to surpass what's happening, you know, in, in Clemson, South Carolina, and what's happening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Well, you just put a downer on the whole season. I mean, why are we even playing then? I mean, you know. Well, why, why are we? Why are we? Why don't we just skip to 2020 and – and we'll just move past 2019. I mean, I mean, because it's uh, okay. Like, like I went to Vegas the other day. You did, and and you were giving me tips on places to eat, different places to see. But I went into one of those sports books and I said, uh, "Hey, I want to see some of these Alabama college football lines." I, like, if I take Alabama and Clemson, I've got to put up more money than I make. Like, like, in other words, i got to put up more to risk to win less. And it's just, it's automatic. It's Alabama and Clemson in New Orleans. It will be a major upset for either one of those teams with the schedule that they've got. If Clemson and, and, and Alabama are not playing in the playoff, then something went wrong. And, and, and maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's something happened to... You know, one of the head coaches, I don't know. I mean, but it, 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 if these teams are not there, something went terribly wrong. Uh, I'm not trying to bore the rest of the college football fans, but they've got the two best rosters in college football. It, it's, it, it is what it is, man. Well, and it's really funny because, uh, listen, I, I think that Alabama, to me, I feel more comfortable saying they will definitively not only make the, the playoff, but but you know, be in title contention. Clemson, everybody loves Trevor Lawrence. They lose a lot on defense. With Alabama, so you're an Alabama guy. We'll get to the, the broader SEC in a second. 
Is there a team, like like looking at the league right now, and maybe it's somebody not on your schedule like Florida, like Georgia, is there anybody that actually scares you, though? Is there anybody that, that you say that it will take a cataclysmic turn of events for us to actually lose to that team? I mean, the closest is Georgia, but like I said, I mean, they had Nick Saban on the mat. They had him against the ropes. And it was one of the dumbest plays that I've ever seen with that fake punt, okay, with, with Kirby Smart. I mean, I mean, you, you don't get those chances. I mean, when you get Nick Seven against the rope, you've you got to lay off the, the, the KO. You, you cannot let him survive. I don't see anybody in the SEC, and this is just me talking. I know they've got Jake Fromm, and they've got a couple of skilled guys. Uh, they lose a lot, but... You know, they've got a lot returning. But I still, when I look at Tua Tungvaluwa, I think he's the best quarterback in the country. Uh, I think when you look at these wide receivers, this is the best wide receiver room that I've ever covered in Tuscaloosa. Listen, man, I've covered some great ones down here. I mean, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. And this this wide receiver room with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and a guy named John Mechie that you're going to get to know pretty quick in 2019, this is the best wide receiver room in the country. I, I wish I could. And, and so when you go you go through the offensive line, I think the offensive line is going to be better. And I, I know you're not asking me for a breakdown, but I, I, I'm giving you a free one here. <laughs> it's this Alabama team is absolutely loaded with talent. And, oh, yeah, they've got this extra motivation because they got their butt handed to them out in Santa Clara. But uh, that's the motivation. And that's what we heard today with, you know, all the different motivations and standards and, you know, all the different distractions and the factors that this is why this team will win the national title uh, in 180, no, no, 178 days in New Orleans. 178 days from today down in New Orleans. Alabama will be hoisting up that national championship trophy. It's unbelievable that you know the day count. I mean, I'm not really surprised by that. What did you make of today? I did see that some of this today being Wednesday, most people are going to listen Thursday, Friday. I saw Alabama. Some of the players were saying that Georgia was the best team that they played last year, not Clemson. Was that just a little gamesmanship, kind of let let Clemson know, hey, we, you're in the front of our mind and we're – whether it is 158 days or whatever it is, whenever we see you, we're going to be ready? Well, and, and, and keep in mind, there was a lot of different rooms. I, 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 they, these old things happen. Sure. But, you know, one of the things that, that I've kind of picked up on is, you know, Saban, he knows that their biggest competition is Clemson. Sure. And he, even though he says, well, you know, you got to give the competition. You got to give them credit. I don't think Alabama is giving Clemson credit. Listen, huh. I was in that game. Dabo took Nick Saban to the the woodshed and sank his butt back to the south. <laughs> he did. I mean, it was the listen. It was one of the worst. Forget about Nick Saban losses. You've got to go back to the middle nineties to find the last time Alabama lost by twenty eight points. You, you've got to go back to the 90s, okay? So he spanked Nick Saban 28 points. And, and and the part of the matter is it could have been 35 points. 
but he called off the dogs. He, he said, I'm not going to score anymore. I'm not going to embarrass my alma mater. I've already done enough of that. So when, when you look at excuse day today, I mean, we heard all about excuses and distractions and coaches and leadership and, you know, the bubblegum machine was out in the <laughs> locker room. and the. I mean, I'm, I'm just tired of all. Listen, you give somebody credit when they spank you. Clemson spanked Alabama. They did. I mean, does that hurt me to say that? You better believe it does. But you've got to give them credit. And I'm just tired of all the excuses. It, it, it oh, you know, poor old. Just listen. It, it, man up and say, listen, Dabo took us to school. He spanked us. He got us. Tip your cap and say, I'll see you in New Orleans. So I, I'm just tired of all the excuse me. Sounds like you're kind of tired of Nick Saban. You get impatient. No, 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 never tired of Nick Saban, man. This guy wins too much. I mean, I got a job because of Nick Saban. I love Nick Saban. I mean, this guy gave me a job, man. I mean, listen, I was headed for another field. Uh, I was doing a radio show here part-time. He arrived. Now I'm talking college football and making a living, Aaron Torres. I mean, I, I got the best job in the country, man. I didn't know that. I didn't know you were what, – what other field were you in? I can't see you doing anything other than what you do. I, I'm a science guy. No, I've you're never not. Taken a ra- yes, I am. I've never taken a radio class in my entire life. Never. And that probably shows. I mean, it comes across right here. I, I've never taken uh, – so, so, okay, here, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Many, many years ago, I had a boss in the radio business, okay? This is going to really sting for all my telecommunication friends. Torres, did you take a telecommunication class? Are you a radio guy? So I want to tell you this flat out. I've never taken any radio anything. So real quick, I'll let you get back to your story. But I went to school for print journalism, thought I was going to be a writer. Um, and my, my life has kind of taken me here. But the point being, I've heard Mike Francesa, the famed New York City uh, radio host, say it. He said, when the mic comes on, when the light goes on on TV – you either got it or you don't. And Ryan Fowler, you got it. I know that I got it. Um, so I don't mean to cut you off, but I have actually never taken a broadcasting class, nothing. I've learned this all on the fly. Well, okay, so my boss, many, many years ago at a radio station, I walked up to him and I was just getting into business, okay? And I said, uh, hey, man, I said, uh, what class? What, what? His name was Ronnie. Ronnie Quills, he's passed away now, but he was my first general manager. I said, hey, what What? Uh, what class should I take to learn more about radio? And he goes, none of them. And I said, hold on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why none of them? He goes, you don't want to go learn from all those guys in that building over there. They're the ones that didn't make it. Hmm. And, I, and I, I back up and I go, man, you got a really good point. So I took a lot of science classes. That, that was my uh, major, human anatomy, physiology, man. I mean, we could talk about dendrites and brain tissue and voluntary and involuntary muscles and bones and all that. And I've never taken a radio class. I, I and, and I like, and you and I have a lot of respect for Colin Cowherd. I sure. listen to people that are good at what they do. And you learn by hearing how good they are at their craft. Sure. And so I, 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 like Freddie Coleman, that guy can tease the world. I will sit in my truck and wait for that guy to come back from something he teased me on. Huh. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I listen to people that are good, and 
try to pick up little tips. That's that's how I've learned this business. Well, listen, I didn't know that this was going to turn into life advice with Ryan Fowler, but that's 100% correct. If you want to be a writer, read good writers. Read Dan Wetzel. Read uh, whoever, whoever you think is a good writer. Read The Athletic every day because they report their ass off and they do good stuff. If you want to be a radio sure. host, you want to be a TV guy, you know, you want to be – uh, a TV personality, you know, I say this all the time, you know, everybody on social media loves to crush Stephen A. Smith. There's a reason that Stephen A. Smith is the highest paid person in our field, and it's not because um, he just yells and screams. He's an entertainer, and he's really, like, like I think Stephen A. is really good at what he does. And I think... He's great. Yeah, and, and he's he's found, he's come to, we've come to realize because of him. You don't always have to be right as long as you're entertaining. And so I'm not saying everybody has to try and be Stephen A. Smith because let's be honest, there's only one Stephen A. Smith. That's why he makes the money that he does. But these people that sit there and criticize him and say, oh, you know, how does he like there's a reason he makes that much money. And so, uh, I, again, I, this uh, this didn't want, uh, you know, this this wasn't supposed to turn into life advice 101 with Ryan Fowler. But I do think there's something to be said. If you want to be a writer, read a lot of good writing. If you want to be a radio host or a podcast host or whatever, listen to good radio hosts like Colin Cowherd, whoever uh, whoever you like. So, anyway. All right, 100%. 100%. And, and have fun. Be yourself. Yes. You don't have to be somebody else. This is who I am. And if you walked up to me and we're talking about, I don't know, I mean, I love to deer hunt, okay? If you walk up to me, it's my passion. It's my life. And this is the same energy I have about something I love. I love what I do. I cover college football for a living. Yep. Uh, I love it. I mean, and, and so I, like, when I'm on with you, like, I'm having fun. Whether you're recording me or, Torres, I'm just calling you, and we're just chatting about life and sure. football and stuff. This is the same me. It's who I am. Well, that's another good piece of advice, too. I think we, you know, and, and, and look, there are varying degrees of this, and I'm not telling every 21-year-old college kid that, that wants to get into this field, you know, go and drop a bunch of F-bombs on Twitter or something like that. But the thing is, we live in this kind of, uh, you know, PC world where you can't say anything that you really believe and you can't share your opinions. And like I said, if you're too loud like Stephen A., you get yelled at. If you're too boring, you know, boring never wins. And so that's the one thing in my career, too, is I always try to be myself. And, you know, when I screw up, uh, you know, I screw up and I own it. And I don't try to act like I'm above anybody. And I try to have fun doing what we do. And I think that's another important point, too. I think people in our business too much, and I can't believe this is how where the conversation went, but I think people in our business too much, they take themselves too seriously. You know, and there's nothing fun about, you know, we talk about sports for a living. We're not cutting people open and performing heart surgery here. Like we, you know, we talk about Nick Saban and, and John Calipari and Coach K and whatever. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, I, I don't have much, much other life advice to give, but that's all I would say is just enjoy what you do. Don't take yourself too seriously, all that kind of stuff. Anything else before we get back to football, Ryan? Yeah, let's go. Let's go back to football, man. I mean, I, but I love talking because Aaron Torres, you are a favorite in Tuscaloosa when you come on. But but it's that energy. It's that passion. Yes. It's that people pick up. And, and it's not that we're putting on. We have fun. Yeah. And so if, if you're listening to somebody that's having fun, it's, you said, entertaining. It's fun. And, and, and it's contagious. You know, you're in a room. 
I mean, think about it. Aaron Torres, it's so good to be on with you, man. And I, I'm so, you know, y'all, come on, man. That boring is crap. I mean, that's awful. Aaron Torres, it's so great to be on with you, man. Let's have, you know, and, and that picks up. I mean, the audience has a good time, and, you know, you try to be entertaining, and that's what you and I, I think, we have something I'm a week click many, many years ago, and it, it's just, I think it's that passion and energy that both of us have. No, I agree 100%. And, you know, obviously it wasn't until I started doing this podcast where, you know, I'm bringing on, and obviously my radio show too, but where I'm bringing on guests from all different types of places. And, you know, I, I never realized what a bad guest was until I started doing this. And so now, you know, for people who have listened to this show since day one, they know the last probably six months, I've said, screw it. If I don't have a guest this week, uh, and this episode actually happens to have two, but if I don't have a guest this week, I don't really care because I think I'm more entertaining and I think I can deliver a better show than a guest that either isn't going to bring energy, isn't going to bring excitement, isn't going to be interesting. Um, and so, yeah. And so, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. And so, uh, and that's why I love having you on. I love having you on our radio show every Saturday night during football season. All right, real quick, Georgia. So, this is just my thing, like, right? We all have pet peeves in life. You know, your wife probably doesn't like when you uh, leave the toilet seat up in the middle of the night, Ryan Fowler. Um, you know, when you leave coffee grounds in the in the coffee pot or in the sink or whatever. My pet peeve is Georgia. I just don't buy a team that tries to build their resume as being a championship contender off of, yeah, but we were really close against Alabama. Yeah, I know we got crushed by LSU. And I know we were up 14 going into the fourth quarter against Alabama. But, I mean, we were really close. And I, we, get, we, should, we deserve a shot, right? And so I've been anti-Georgia ever since then. I actually think they lost a lot of guys last year. I opened the show by saying I think they're closer to the rest of the pack. If we assume Alabama's number one, Georgia's number two, and then in any order, LSU, Florida, Auburn, whoever is number three, I think they're closer. I think they're closer to number three in this particular season than they are to number one in Bama because I just think they lost a lot of guys. But I, I, we talked about them off the top. I, I just don't buy this narrative that kind of came out of media days that, uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 beat Alabama or bust for Georgia. And maybe I'll look stupid in six months. Maybe this will be a hot takes exposed thing on Twitter. But I don't buy that they're knocking on the doorstep of Alabama at least not this year. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, but, well, okay, so l let me explain, okay? When I look at Georgia, Aaron Torres, if you're going to have a, a real soda, like, like think about it, okay, like uh, if you're going to have Pepsi or you're going to have Diet Pepsi, if you could drink Diet Pepsi with no, con you know, you're like real Pepsi with no consequences, would you even touch the diet? <laughs> well, that's, that's what Georgia is. Georgia is is the Nick Saban simulator. Sure. So why have the fake? Why have the replica? Go after the real thing, right? Sure. I mean, go get the real thing. That's what Alabama and Nick Saban are offering. Georgia is a copycat program. That's sure. who they are. Okay. So when you look at Georgia, they're still watching it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta borrow this from my friend, and I know he's a friend of yours too, uh, Drew DeArmond up in up in Huntsville, Alabama. Drew always says, when you walk up to a Georgia fan, ask them if you can borrow their Herschel Walker VHS. <laughs> okay, because that's that's all.
you know, we're all about championships. And we're all about beating Alabama. Listen, all you have is those bushes out in your stadium, sure. the hedges, and, and, and what do you have to offer me? Like, like sell me on Georgia tradition. Herschel Walker, VHS tape. That's all you've got. You don't have anything. And, and you know, Kirby has lied on the recruiting trail. He's told story after story. He took his boss. If somebody helped you get in the business and stay a job, the last thing I want to do is stab somebody in the back. Mm-hmm. And that's what Kirby Smart has done to Nick Saban. He's lied. He's, he's told recruits. That, that he's going to, you know, Nick Saban's getting old and he's going to retire and all this. Just beat that guy. Just beat the guy. You had him against the ropes. And I think Kirby Smart probably sees that. I think he looks at it going, man, I had this guy. Get, I had my boss against the ropes. And, and that probably keeps him up in the middle of the night. I'm not buying Georgia because they took advantage of a weak SEC East. Sure. And here, here comes the Gators. I don't know if they'll be there this year. They may win it by default, but but Florida's coming. Florida's coming, and I think Dan Mullen is a lot better coach. Listen, I'm a, I'm an hour and 15, 20 minutes away from Starkville, Mississippi. I watched Dan Mullen win at a program that's very hard to win at. Mississippi State's not easy to get to. It's a long place from everywhere. <laughs> but but I watched Dan Mullen win at Mississippi State. If he can win over there. He's going to win down in Gainesville. He's just got to be able to not follow the model that Urban Meyer left down there where, you know, they were running a, a, a criminology lab uh, down in Gainesville. <laughs> he, he's got to be able to, if he can clean some of that up and keep it between the lines, he'll win at Florida and he'll win at a high level. And I think Kirby knows that. Dan Bowen is twice the coach, three times the coach. Kirby Smart is. Kirby Smart is a defensive-oriented coach. Defense is great, but this new college football, even Nick Saban's learned that, it's offense, my friend. You better be able to score points. 17-13 to is not going to win you very many games. you got to be able to put points on the scoreboard. I don't know if Kirby has that ability where he can think offensively that's something he's going to have to learn. He may learn that four or five years from now, uh, but Georgia's not looking for four or five years. They're looking for right now. They fired a coach who averaged for 15 years 10 wins a season. Sure. Mark Rick, they put him on the road. Kirby Smart feels the pressure. That's why he's making all these decisions and stabbing his former boss in the back. Yeah, I actually agree with you 100% on Dan Mullen, and I'll be honest is – I probably uh, took, you know, I've never been to Starkville, but everybody that I know that lives in SEC country tells me it's basically the hardest job in the league, except maybe Vandy, oh, maybe, yeah, in the West for sure, right? I mean, it's by far the hardest job sure. in the West. And, no, no, 100%. And, and listen, I like Starkville. I've got friends that live over there, but like, it's a long way from, like, where do you go into? You got to fly into, uh, well, I guess you could fly into Tupelo, you can fly into Jackson. You could fly into Birmingham and drive over, but Starkville's a long play. I mean, like it, it's just hard to get to. It's it's kind of like you don't accidentally show up there, <laughs> you know, by, by accident. I mean, you don't wake up and you you know you're driving down the interstate and you look up and it goes Stark 
Knoxville, Mississippi. No, no, you don't do that. It's it's like, and, and when you go there, we call it Start Vegas, right? Sure. Because you're lucky, you're lucky to get there, and you're lucky to get out, and and, and so it, it's that's why we call it Stark Vegas. And I'm 82 miles away, and I, I like the town, man. They got great ice cream over there, not great uh, football, but great ice cream. Well, they did under Dan Mullen, and they had great football. I don't know about the ice cream, but they had great football under Dan Mullen. And that's what I was gonna say. I didn't appreciate what he was doing there, and I thought in year one he was phenomenal. I agree, is that he is the guy, he is the future. I actually opened this show. I did a big Georgia rant. And I do think uh, – I, I actually think Florida's going to win the East this year. I really do. Uh, I, I'm amazed with what he did with Felipe Franks in that first year and all that stuff. So, all right, Ryan, we're already at the half-hour half mark. Uh, anything else that you either took from media days or that you're looking forward to this season or anything that we haven't hit on related to SEC football? And, by the way, I plan on bugging you a lot during the course of the season, having you on a lot. But anything else that we missed uh, over the course of this conversation so far? You mean we've been talking for half an hour? Are you kidding? There I you mean, go. we've been talking for – I thought you wanted an hour out of me. Why, why are you cutting me off short? I mean, I, I got more to say. I got more to tell you. I mean, I mean, we haven't even – we haven't even touched the defense. We, we haven't even touched the defense. Dylan Moses, he might be a Butkus winner. I mean, I, he's been recruited since the eighth grade. I, I talked to him today, and, and it's the leadership. I think he's going to be that typical – linebacker that you've come to expect under Nick Saban that started with Rolando McLean and Dante Hightower and C.J. Mosley and Reuben Foster, college Reuben Foster, not pro uh, Reuben Foster, but college Reuben Foster. I mean, this is going – I'm telling you, this is going to be a special year in Tuscaloosa. If, if, if they don't if they don't win it, we may ship Nick Saban over to Leonard and tell him to hit retirement early. No, I'm wow. Just kidding. I'm, 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 well, bring on Dabo, bring on Dabo, right? Bring him on over. Uh, wouldn't that be crazy? He beats Nick Saban and, and creates a, a job opening for himself. No, no, I mean, he can't really do that. But, I mean, listen, it, it, I mean, I cannot wait for college football. This has been a long off season. Torres, I've hosted a funeral for nine months in Tuscaloosa, and I'm ready to get to college football. Duke, you're next, baby. Light it up. You got to, you got to pay the, the, the revenge factor for the tide. Somebody's got to do it. Duke, you play the tide in 40 days of change, man. Yeah, I haven't put out my week one betting picks yet, but whatever the spread is for Bama, I think it feels pretty 34, 34, 34, 34. I think it'll be 34. Am I, I think it literally, I'm not exaggerating, might be 34 by the end of the first quarter. So, uh, Ryan Fowler. You can listen to him. If you like this Bama talk and you want depth chart breakdown, we don't do a ton of depth chart breakdown on this show, Ryan, just so you know. I'm more of a topic guy, uh, but uh, no depth chart breakdown here, but you can listen to Ryan 2 to 6 Central time, tied 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Ryan comes on my radio show every Saturday. He will be on this podcast regularly throughout this season, not just to talk Bama, but to basically make fun of the other 13 SEC teams because, as he said off the top, uh, they're all playing for second place at this point. So. No, no, 100%. 100%. No, no, I mean, listen, like, you didn't even ask me about the tractor drivers. Torres, you you got you to gotta set one Auburn question up for me, please. Okay. One, one little, little small Auburn question. Just little, little small Auburn question. So for, pe for people who don't know, Ryan calls Auburn fans the tractor drivers – so, uh, so yeah, go ahead. Tractor drivers, Gus Malzahn, is he going to be the highest paid unemployed coach a year from now? What do you got on Auburn? Man, I, I, I'm pulling for Gus to win eight games because I want I want them to keep it. Sure. Like, I want, 
I want Gus to stay there because, it, well, it, he's not a threat, right? <laughs> he's not a threat. So, so I won't. I, I'm pulling for Gus just to win just enough. But you know, I'm really concerned to be honest with you. Like I'm pulling for him, but man, he's got a schedule. Ooh, and know. you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and make the prediction right here on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Oregon beats Mario Cristobal beats Gus. Week number one in Arlington, Texas. Wow. Oregon is going to beat Auburn. I, I'm going anti-SEC. Oregon is going to beat Auburn, and that is going to start the roller coaster of a season for those tractor drivers over in Lee County. I'm telling you, that's my prediction. Auburn crash and burn in 2019. I hope they burn. Well, his, their schedule is insane, and I don't know that I've ever seen this before. So they have, first of all, they play at A&M. First of all, they play Oregon to open the season. Oregon is by far the Pac-12 favorite. Uh, they're going to be in the top 10 to start the preseason. They return basically everybody. They play at A&M. And then I, I don't know that I've ever seen this. Three straight SEC road games at Florida, at Arkansas, at LSU. And then they close with Georgia and Bama at home. It's going to be tough, man. I mean, I'm not as anti-Auburn as you are, but... Uh, I'm not anti-Auburn. I'm not anti-Auburn. You love Auburn. I know you do. No, I mean, everybody needs a little brother. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to have a little brother. I, I mean, no, I mean, I love Auburn. I mean, I'm I mean, I going to go to hell for lying, but there you I, mean, go. I do love them. Well, you love beating up on them is what, what you love. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 a better word. They say they say you're not supposed to the, the you know the SEC gets a lot of flack for scheduling uh, FCS opponents, and you guys schedule one in week thirteen every every year. Pretty messed up, I must say. No, and hey, but but I'm telling you, they're looking at seven and five, right in the face. I, I mean, I mean, they're they're you know what? If if he can get this team to seven eight wins. You might want to give him SEC coach of the year. Like this, this is a different. This is a nasty schedule. It is. It really is. And I know that. I mean, go ahead. No, I mean, I I don't even know if. No, I mean, I'm not going to say this, but 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 let me say this: If Alabama played that schedule, I, I mean, there would be days that you would go, okay, this is going to be a great game. I I just don't know if you can win. You know, he's going back to calling his plays. Uh, I, I think the world's caught up to Gus and his play calling. I, all right, I, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk all night for all, but I'm done. S- seven and five, they lose, to, they lose to Oregon first game. Alabama wins the national title. Tua wins the Heisman Trophy. Let's see, what else can I predict? Um, Urban Meyer goes to USC. Sure. That's that's done. I mean, let, let, me, let, me think, let me think of all anything right. else. Oh and, oh, and Alabama goes to we got to go to break. We got to go to break. We got 30 seconds. What do you okay. got? You go, we got to go to break. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, Aaron Torres. Roll Tide, man. Ryan Fowler, the game 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. You can listen to this nonsense every day, Monday through Friday. Now Mark Krebs. Uh, Mark Krebs joins us to talk about uh, TBT and all sorts of good stuff. All right, and joining me on the phone now, an old friend of mine here to talk about the TBT, the basketball tournament, which is coming to a gym near you. He is the general manager of the Bluegrass Boys, the original John Calipari, one and done. Mark Krabs, what's going on, man? It's been a long time. 
Absolutely. How you doing, man? man it's, uh, everything's good on my end. How's everything on yours? Everything is great. All right, so here's the deal. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about UK and all that stuff, but I want to start with the TBT. So I think this thing has kind of become self-explanatory over the last couple years. Uh, ESPN, everybody that works for the, the event, does a great job promoting it. One, I would like you to, first of all, just explain what the TBT is your involvement, the Bluegrass Boys. I mean, just give us the quick, like, one-minute elevator pitch, extended elevator gotcha. pitch, whatever, of what you guys are doing this weekend in Lexington. Oh, yeah. So uh, the regionals in Lexington, so we got one of the regionals, and it's essentially, there's a little different formatting, but it is like the 6014 NCAA tournament, uh, $2 million winner-take-all. Uh, fr- it's The freedom of this tournament is great. You can play for a cause. You can, you can bring in an uh, alumni team and have everyone from, like, we're doing from Kentucky, uh, the state of Kentucky, UK. We're doing a Kentucky alumni team uh, called the Bluegrass Boys. So we're, we're going after the $2 million. We're actually including the, uh, the Kids Cancer Alliance, which is a Kentucky organization started by UK doctors, uh, obviously to help improve the lives of, of kids dealing with that, you know, terrible illnesses like cancer and other things. And, and they go camp, they do camping trips and stuff like that. So, you know, we're including them as one of the recipients if we win this whole thing, and then also trying to do some things where some of the kids uh, are going to be our, you know, managers and things like that. So it, it's basically free. However you want to do it, you can put a team of, you know, if you get enough votes and you do all the things you in the tournament, it can be an alumni team. It can be guys that are playing overseas and the pros, uh, anywhere. And really, they just put together a team. I mean, we've got a lot of alumni teams in it, but essentially you're just playing for $2 million. It's on ESPN, sponsored by Puma. And so I couldn't be more honestly excited just to get in touch with a lot of my old teammates and uh, put a team out there that can uh, win this thing. All right. So the event is this weekend, July 19th through 21st. The Lexington Regional uh, will be going on those days at Frederick Douglass High School. So how do you go? So for people who don't know, you are the GM. First of all, I would ask, one, why aren't you a player GM, which I think is the question America wants to know. <laughs> Uh, we we don't need a shooter in the corner, apparently. You know, what? we don't need a guy that's between the three-point lines. This... I don't play much defense. I don't have any lateral movement. Never did. You sound like and James so Harden. My job is you sound like James Harden. Out there, man. You said no lateral no, on the floor. No lateral movement. Stand in the corner and shoot threes. You sound like James Harden. You're the perfect 2019 at basketball hey, player. Man, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to play some golf. This, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't want anything. Do anything that hurts my golf team. So uh... I am community organizer. Uh, was re- I, I was actually contacted by not only TVT through, I, I think they called UK uh, to figure out which guy would want to do it and, you know, would put it together as a team. And so uh, they got my name, and then the uh, Bluegrass Sports Commission actually hosting the regional in Lexington. And if you're in Lexington, obviously you got to have a UK president. So it was a no-brainer. I told him I'd love to help. I'd love to help put together the team and the coaching staff. And like I said, uh, get something started. I think this is going to be the first of many years, hopefully, um, and we're excited to, to get it uh, tipped off. So how do you go about putting the team? I mean, obviously, for people who don't know, I probably should have made this clear off the top, you played at Kentucky, I believe, from 2005 to 2010. Is that timeline accurate, 06? Uh, six, 6 to 10, yeah. Okay. So I was actually Tubby's very last year. Yep. And then Gillespie, Billy Gillespie's two years, and then Coach Cow's first year was my last year. So I had – I got to see a lot. Yeah, and that's what I said. You're the original John Calipari one and done. So Bingo. Yeah. You, Bingo. You, you, you are the guy that gets credit for turning John Wall and Eric. You know, Calipari always talks about, uh, you know, the – the best our our best moments come in practice, and the thing that Kentucky can sell 
is that our practices are more intense than most games are. So obviously, it started with you back in 2010. You were the guy checking John Wall and Eric Bledsoe every day. But, uh, all right, so how do you go about putting the team? I keep cutting you off. I'll shut up now. Uh, you no, are, you're fine. Yeah, you're the GM. How do you you're, go about putting, putting the team? Yeah, so I'm the, uh, the team organizer, right? And they call me, they give me a title of GM, which sounds super official. But basically, it's not as easy as it sounds. If you look at Kentucky basketball, you would think, man, there's so much talent. There's so many players uh, to choose from. And that's right. You know, I had a list of probably 40 guys that either played for one year, that are playing overseas, that are in the G League, that were on contract to the NBA, but maybe aren't, aren't now. Um, the problem with that is, is that, you know, if you're one year out of the league, a lot of times your agent's still saying, hey, don't focus on anything other than next year we're, we're signing a contract in the NBA. Even though TBT, in my opinion, is an unbelievable, a lot like Summer League, it's becoming a very good platform for NBA players. A lot of guys are signing a 10-day contract after playing in TBT, so it's not like it's not a good platform, but I still think there's a ways to go before agents are letting their guys play. So if that cuts out call 25 to 30% of these guys, uh, the DeAndre Liggins of the world, guys like that, now you're going down to like, all right, who's overseas playing? And then it's like, well, they have a really good contract overseas and their teams don't want them playing in it. So really, you, you get down and you're like, man, I'm, I want the best of the best. But I also want guys that are going to come and, and play and be accountable and that you can count on. Because obviously, if the way you do the, the team, you only have until June 1st. So we played, like you said, this weekend. We had until June 1st to really put the roster together. Uh, any contingency plans, you really can't add players um, after the deadline. So you have to have guys that are basically committing in April and May um, that they're going to be there in July. And like I said, a lot of contracts are signed. A lot of things change. So you have to have a really good, strong roster. So um, that's kind of how we went about doing it. It was just uh, looking at overseas, looking at the G League, who really wants to play and compete and be back in uh, in Lexington in front of BBN. And so uh, we got ourselves a squad. Yeah, I'm looking right now. The names that I got, and they may have changed because of, as, as you said, other commitments. I got Josh Harrelson, who obviously played in the NBA, drafted by the Knicks. Dominique Hawkins, Marcus Lee, who of course played what three years at Kentucky, finished his career at Cal. Uh, anybody, anybody else that the fans, the casual fan, would would, would recognize? Yeah, so it kind of helps. I did, uh, like I said, my one year under Tubby, two years under uh, a Gillespie. One of the other guys is uh, Kevin Galloway. Um, he's coming in from uh, he's over in California, but he's been playing overseas um, for almost the last eight years, nine years. Um, heck of a guard. He started as a point guard. Now he's kind of a wing, but uh, he's a perfect guy for this because obviously if he's versatile and can guard different positions in a, in a tournament like this, that's, that's crucial. So uh, we're bringing in Kevin Galloway. And then uh, who else we have? A.J. Stewart's another one that uh, played in the Gillespie era that kind of versatile. Big man, can, uh, he can run the floor, but he can also rebound. You need those kind of guys um, in this. And then Wayne Turner is our coach. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows Wayne. Uh Probably wins. He wins everywhere he goes, and I know he's he's got the right attitude about this. He understands what it could become, um, especially in Kentucky, when people really start understanding that it's you know it's not a charity basketball game, and it's cert- like in the essence of the charity basketball game, where it's like a one-time thing. Come if you can. You know, we're here to just to joke around. I mean, it's a serious tournament, but at the end of the day, they're back in Kentucky. They're using it as a platform, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, BBN gets behind it. But Wayne Turner has been. Uh, he's incredible. So we got a good coach, and then we're adding in a couple guys that aren't necessarily UK guys, but they're big Kentucky guys. Which is one was Drew McDonald, who was a Horizon Player of the League for Northern Kentucky um, last year. Or so, so he's a young guy, but at the end of the day, he's a he's a guy that can pick and pop. He's probably six eight, 
can rebound, leading rebounder in Northern Kentucky history. Uh, and then his his teammate from uh, Louisville is LeVon Holland. He's playing overseas now. So we're adding a few guys uh, that aren't necessarily U.K. guys just to make sure that we have enough and that we have a really strong roster. If you're playing three games in three days, you don't want guys too tired either. All right, so so next question, important question. How is it that DeMarcus Cousins – I'm reading stuff, and tell me if I'm wrong here. DeMarcus Cousins is a GM of another team that isn't the Bluegrass Boys. That feels like almost sacrilegious. I'm not going to lie. It's, hey, it's, it's big business, man. What are you going to do? It's too much. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, uh, the loyalty only runs so far. His loyalty is love, which I love DeMarcus. Yeah, but he had, he had to do it. His, uh, his contract, basically, because of Puma is sponsoring the entire event, um, they wanted their biggest athlete, arguably, to be, uh, I wouldn't say arguably, he is their biggest athlete, especially in a basketball tournament. And there's a regional in Lexington. Um, they wanted him to create a team um, and be the team of that. So you can't blame him. We're going to fight him every step of the way. The only guy that jumps ship, like I said, loyalty is love, great great name for it, was Daniel Orton. He gave me his commitment, said he wanted to play with us, would love to. Wow. And then I don't know what kind of cahoots he went into with DeMarcus. I don't know how many shoes DeMarcus promised him. But loyalty is love, so he's the only one. Daniel Orton's the only one who jumps ship, which Jeez. is kind of disheartening because I like Daniel. Yeah, very disheartening. I like Daniel, too, for my time interviewing him for my book and all that stuff. Uh, are they your primary competition, at least on paper, in this Lexington Regional, as best you could tell? I didn't hear that last question. What was that? Oh, I said loyalty is love. Are they, are they your primary competition? Would you call them kind of the uh, Louisville to your Kentucky in this Regional? Is that fair to say? You know, I think they're the ones with the, the biggest hype. So, yeah, in a way, I think they're the, the one seed. So you're always looking to knock off the one seed. But I think, honestly, the team that is sneaky, because they had so many guys to choose from, and they, had, you know, they weren't really focused on whether it's a Kentucky alumni team or anything like that, is that Kentucky Basketball Commission team, the KBC. Okay. Uh, Chris Lofton and Sheldon Mack, I believe, is coaching them. But uh, they put together an unbelievable squad full of UK, like not UK, but Kentucky you know, high school stars from back in the day to guys who went on to play college ball and maybe graduated last year. Um, they have some, you know, just they have a really strong team. So I would actually say uh, they're they're also playing against Wilkes Love. So they're on that side of the bracket, which means we'll only place, place one of them in the finals if we make it there. Um, so they're another team we're definitely looking at as being very, very strong. Fantastic. So so lay it out for us. So you said three-day event, three games total. So is it a very, is it like almost like a regional where there will be four games with eight teams on Friday down to two games with yeah, four Yeah, I think we're doing a – they do the Elite Eight all the way through the finals when we go to Chicago, if we make it to Chicago. So really there's – I think there's six different regions the way they do it. Or eight – no, eight different regions, sorry. So there's basically eight different locations. You play three games is how they break it down. Um, it's a little different than the NCAA tournament. It ends up being the same amount of games. Six games wins it all, but – uh, yeah, so we're you know we play in Lexington. There's three games: uh, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Hopefully, we're playing it all up, and then you win, you move on to Chicago, and that'll be August 1st through the 5th. Uh, when was when all the the finals and things take place on ESPN. Very good. I'm looking right now. Yeah, we got eight regionals from uh, Memphis and Salt Lake and Wichita. Uh, last question on the TBT. I mean, I don't know if you were involved before this year, but for fans that are that are going to show up, Frederick Douglass, Douglass High School this weekend, like what do they – like is it – you know, so like as an example, right, I've been to the big three and I've been to – or is it 
a regular basketball feel? Is it a family-friendly feel? It feels like the kind of thing that you would want to grab your kids, you know, 15 oh, yeah. bucks. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Family-friendly, so it's going to be high intensity. It's one game. It's every game is game seven of a series. Ooh, so true. It's winner-take-offs. I mean, there's no loser's bracket. There's no pool play where everyone's getting three games. Um, each game uh, is, is do or die. The other thing that's different in this, which I actually – we may look back in 10 years and figure out that they were the first ones to do it, and it's revolutionary. It's something called the Elam ending. Okay. Very confusing. So figure this out. Get this. Instead of the end of the game where everyone's fouling, and if a team's up 10, probably the last two minutes of the game is going to take a half an hour, 45 minutes, and it's going to be a free throw contest. As soon as you get under the under four timeout, or when as soon as four minutes hits, the first dead ball, whoever's leading, they take the leading team score, so call it, Let's say you're up 70 to 68. They'll add eight points to the leading team score, and then it's first to basically 78 in my scenario that I just mentioned. So you play all out. There's no fouling to try to you know make the clock go. They turn the clock off. They add eight. They add, they add eight points to the leading team score. And so if, theoretically, what happens is one, you don't have all the fouling, you don't have the stall ball, and every game ends on a made basket, which is kind of cool. So you have a lot of game winners, a lot of guys. If you come from behind, a lot of guys get tight. Maybe they're at five, and then that other team goes on a run and starts making some threes, and you have yourself a, a shootout toward the end. And it's been very exciting. They've done it now a couple of years in a row, uh, but they're doing it again this year, and it's called the Elam Ending. I'm telling you, it is, it's something. It is awesome. I'll tell you this. I will have to watch closely this year because somebody tried to explain this to me last year, and I couldn't follow, and then you just tried to explain it, and you did a great job, to be clear. You did a fantastic job. I have no idea what Harder any of that fun. means. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Except Hey, man, I'm, let's say I'm beating you 70, 60, 65. Basically, then they cut, they turn the clocks off under four minutes in the game. They turn off the clock, and they basically, you and I would play the 78 points because they had eight points for the leading team score. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. So I have how many, and you have how <laughs> many to start? So let's say it's 70 to 65 or 70 to 69. doesn't matter. If I'm at 70, they basically had eight points to my the leading team score. And it would be 78 points. So now we're playing to 78. So first team to 78 wins. So they so, so they, like if you're beating a team 70 to 50, all we need is eight points. You would need 28 points to, to come back into the game. Okay, I'll watch. I'll watch, and I'll play pay closer attention. I'm telling you, it's it's awesome. And uh, there's not been one person when they watch it, they're like, this is a way better ending than the onslaught of fouling and all sorts of you know stuff that happens at the end of the game just to run the clock out. Yeah, that that's the big kind of takeaway that I got is that this is a better alternative to we don't see it as much in the NBA, but generally college basketball where, you know, you're down eight with ninety seconds to go, you just start following to try to extend the game. So that was the big exactly. uh, big big gist. So all right, last couple questions, I'll let you go because Mark uh is on vacation as he gets sets for the TBT. Um so real quick, it's been ten years since your final year at Kentucky. I mean, I can't believe I guess nine technically now, but by this time next year, it'll be 10. Uh, do you, how, I mean, people get older, all that stuff. Are you still, you're obviously still in touch with a lot of the guys, but can you believe it's been 10 years since that first Calipari season, one and fun as I titled it, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, Mark Krebs, Darius Miller, who people forget is still in the league, Patrick Patterson. I mean, I, I, I you and I have talked about it, but I can't, you look back on that team, so much talent, so good, and I can't believe that it's been 10 years. I can't believe it's been 10 years, man. You are, you are, I cannot believe it's been 10 years. 
it's so weird when you look back and then you see a basketball season end and you're like, you know, let's say it was a lead eight finish and you're like, man, next year though they're going to have this guy come in, this guy come in, and then all of a sudden it happens and then that season's over and that's happened now ten times and I feel like it just goes by so fast that it yeah. feels like when I go back there and I watch practice or I, you know, see Coach Cal or anybody when I get back there, it's almost like nothing's like no time has passed. But when you actually look at the teams that have come through, the amount of pros that have come through, yep. and all that's happened in 10 years, uh, it's mind-boggling. And then I go and see, like, Eric Bledsoe up in, you know, he's in, in Milwaukee. I went and saw him play at the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, saw Darius. I saw uh, DeMarcus when he was down there. I saw a bunch of different games in the NBA. You can't believe that these guys are considered veterans in the league. I still feel like a little kid. So, And I got a four-year-old of my own and a uh, – and a 10-month-old, so I guess when you looked at it, you're like, yeah, a lot of times it's that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We're getting old, man. Yeah, no, and it's it's incredible because, one, that's exactly what I was thinking before I called you was, obviously, I, I don't know the guys nearly as well as you do, if at all, but to see, you know, I know John Wall has a newborn now, and Eric has had, you know, he's a, a parent of, you know, I think kids that are about five, six, seven years old, and he's very vocal about, you know, his role as a parent and all that kind of stuff. It's just incredible how you guys have grown up. Do you ever look back, and I'm sure you do, but that team was so talented. Like, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I don't even know if I've ever said it on this podcast, but so I went to UConn, and you guys played UConn that year at Madison Square Garden. I was actually at Oh, yeah. Yeah. It w- I was actually at that game, but I, I was uh, the game was on ESPNU like probably a year ago, and I told my buddy from UConn who was a big fan, you know, big UConn guy at the time. I said, "Dude, flip on ESPNU right now. UConn, uh, UConn, uh, Kentucky. Uh, you know, UConn had AJ Price, I think, at the time, and Kemba Walker and whoever." And my buddy turned it on for about thirty seconds, and he, you know, you forget Patrick Patterson was on that team, Eric Bledsoe was on that team, and. He just said to me, he goes, how did this team not win every game by like 70 points? Like you just go back and look at that team and watch. But you didn't like in in real time, you didn't realize Darius Miller is like an eight year pro. Patrick Patterson is going to be in the league for 10 years. Like it's just unbelievable how good that team was. Oh, it's unbelievable, and that's what's so funny to me, or at least when you see a, a dynasty, um, whether it's the Spurs or whether it's uh, Golden State or in football, the Patriots. Like You see these dynasties, and you respect them so much because, look, the guys that turned into great pros that have had these long careers, like they probably weren't the same player or didn't have the same temperament back in college, and I think that played a lot into it. You were talking about first-year college players now that are now superstars, so obviously you still see them, and you're like, this guy's a superstar, and granted, they were great players back in college, but a lot of it came down to like game management and things like that. If you watched us throughout the season that year, we kind of slept a lot of the games, like probably like 15 minutes of each game, we were like letting the team back in it, or we were down five, heading into the second half, and then we'd win by 15, and we went 19-0 to start the season. There's probably four games I thought we should have lost up until that, you know, until that time we lost our 20th game of the year. You're just like, how did we do I mean, it was like we had a will to win that year. But now that you look back at it, the reason I have so much respect for these dynasties is because, I mean, each game, like the NCAA tournament is so hard to win, even with guys in a great roster. Look at Duke last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes – you can only have five guys on the court, one guy touches the ball, and not everybody gets as many shots, not everybody gets as many looks. It's just really hard to manage, you know, when you have so many great players because you're accepted to win because you have so many great players. But at the end of the day, a lot of it's just, you know, the right time playing the, we got we got cold at the wrong time against uh, West Virginia to lose that year because we were, there were, we were no doubt the best team that year left in the tournament. Um, it's just unfortunate. Obviously, we wish we could go back and replay. And I talked to John and those guys, and that's the first thing they say is, "Man, I wish we could go back and win it. It would be awesome." 
but it just wasn't in the cards, even with the team that we had, which is, I think, one of the best rosters. Uh, it'll go down as one of the best college rosters um, out there. So. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and and I think you can even make the case. I I think I've made this case is that I think you guys spoiled uh, Kentucky fans a little bit because they think just because you have the number one recruiting class every year that every year it's going to be John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and it's like no, those guys even at a place like Kentucky, which as you said have produced so many pros, like even at a place like Kentucky, that group is still so different and so unique. You know, it's crazy, but it's uh it's fun to look back on. Honestly, with Wish we could have won it all then, but it just goes to show you, especially that one when it's a you know one game yeah. winner that winner go home in those scenarios. Obviously, if there's seven game series, I think we win the whole thing, and I think Kentucky wins it a lot. Yep, uh, probably wins four championships. But when it comes down to one game, you just never know, and that's always I guess that's what makes uh, March Madness and NCAA uh, so much fun to watch come March. Well, and I was going to say, and it'll make for a great thing to watch this weekend at the TBT. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lexington Regional. Mark Krebs, I will let you go. Again, the event is the TBT. It is this weekend, the 19th through the 21st, uh, all over the country. So if you're not listening in Lexington, there's a chance that there is a regional near you guys, whether it's in Salt Lake City, Wichita, Syracuse, wherever. You can find it all online. But the Lexington Regional, the 19th through the 21st, Frederick Douglass High School, and you'll see – uh, GM Mark Krebs in the press box uh, pacing back and forth as he watches his team pursue victory. Mark, dude, I appreciate it. It was so fun, man. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Always pleasure, Aaron.